Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 12 of Dudes of Kung Fu. In this week's episode, the season finale, I I clarify my remarks on the JKD and Wing Chun a little bit. And um, Alex and I have a lot of fun firing off some questions at each other in uh, in like a lightning round type atmosphere. It was a uh, it was a fun episode to record. We hope you guys enjoy it. And we'll see you when we come back in the first week of September. Dudes of Kung Fu. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 12 of... Dudes of Kung Fu. We are back in better than ever. Alex, how was your week, brother man? Pretty good. Um, uh, you know, I, I can say I really don't have any complaints. I'm here in, in very hot and, and, and very sunny uh, southern Florida and enjoying the first vacation I've had in a really long time. But I'm still getting a lot of training in and, and uh, eager to get back into the grind. I'm still working a lot, like working on my books and stuff like that, But because uh, I can never not work even when I'm on vacation. Uh, but it is nice to kind of, you know, be able to go to the pool and, and uh, get some sun and relax and, you know, the most pressing thing being what I'm going to eat. Uh, what about you? Well, for, I just the best thing for me now is I have another thing to add to the list of why I hate fucking Alex Richter. He gets to spend, it's like, he, let's see, married to a beautiful woman, two awesome, beautiful daughters. Now he's in sunny Florida. He's going to come home to his awesome freaking school with awesome students in it. Let's see, he has a successful book out. Oh, and 0% body fat while he's waiting by the fucking pool. <laughs> I, uh, it's just another reason why I want to hold your head underwater if we ever end up in a pool together <laughs> <laughs> yeah well uh i can i can see how it would come off that way uh the only thing i can say is that uh, uh i've been teaching for 15 years and working really hard to build my school and the kind of current state of which i can enjoy the fruits of my labor is is really only something i've been able to do in the last year year and a half uh certainly if you met me 10 years ago i would be like you know in my school every day working and working on things and not able to you know go out and enjoy anything so it's definitely i definitely put in the time and and i it, it would definitely it wasn't always this way for sure oh I'm, I'm sure no one handed it to you brother i'm sure you worked for everything in fact i have a distinct memory of one day on facebook that's got to be three years ago you posting a picture it looked like you were blowing out the back of your head I don't. Even, you probably don't even remember it, but I remember I it. that photo. I do know that photo. Sure, sure. And I remember, I remember saying, like, man, someone's having a really bad day. <laughs> well, actually, actually, it wasn't that at all because even even three years ago, uh, I still I already had like a staff kind of running stuff at my school. But it's just that there would be these rare moments where I would be at my school early before, like, let's say, uh, the receptionist got in there or whatever, and then I would have to like answer a phone call myself, and it. I remember that particular call. It was like a teenager who had called in, and this teenager had zero concept of actually how to speak on the phone to an adult. And it was just one of those things where I just like I, – I, I'm having this conversation, and it's going nowhere, and I'm going, oh, my, this is why I pay people to take care of this shit because this is like – this is ridiculous. And, and also just kind of lost faith in humanity for a moment where it's like you know, maybe in the texting age, people just don't know how to speak on the phone anymore. But I remember that was like really, really tough after I got off. It was, it was like speaking to a wall. That's incredible. Now, listen, this is a little bit off topic, but just since we're speaking about te- teenagers and why we hate them – <laughs> um, recently, I uh, went to go order a pizza. That's a shock, I know. But I went to go order a pizza pie, and um, I give my credit card number, a debit card number, and the girl says, what's the expiration date? 
And I say, November 2017. And I swear to God, she goes, oh, um, I don't think we can take those. And I says, what are you talking about? She says, yeah, we have to put a number in. <laughs> and I said. You need one of them numbered dates. I said, one of them word dates. Sweetheart, what are you talking about? She says, oh, well, I, you said your credit card expires in November. I need a number. Oh, my. And I well, said. Let's count, let's count together. January's like, one. I'm like, all right, it's 11. And please have someone else cook the pizza. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I immediately called both my sons into the room and quizzed them on, like, okay, what's the sixth month of the year? You know, <laughs> basic stuff you need to know for sure. Oh goodness gracious! So there's a little bit of news uh, coming with one of our favorite fighters in the UFC, Conor McGregor. Yeah, I love I love me some Conor McGregor, man. I and really that's, do. that's next week already, isn't it? Or, yeah, or this, uh, this week com- when the coming up. Hits. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So apparently he's guaranteed a victory. He's guaranteed a second round knockout of Mr. Nate Diaz, who is a really game fighter, man. I don't know. I, I don't know. How do you how do you guarantee a victory, a knockout of a guy who kicked the shit out of you last time? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you have to define kick the shit out of. Uh, and okay, I'm, 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 I'm a, I'm a, I like the Diaz brothers. I think they're absolutely fantastic. I think it's a great fight because you really don't know what's going to happen. You know, uh, definitely Connor's given up a bit of size, and then uh, you know who knows about the mental aspect about uh, him having lost the last fight that could either totally fire him up, which is probably the case, or he might have some doubts, or he might be a little bit worried about scrambling and going to the ground or whatever. But uh, I mean, given the quality performances that Conor McGregor has given in the past, especially when it comes to striking, and that he's definitely a lot more prepared, and and, um, if you've seen photos of him lately, I mean, he's definitely Definitely settled into that weight, and he's bigger and he looks good, whereas last time when he fought, it just, it was a little like we had discussed, the weight game was a little bit too quick, I don't think his body and his nervous system had time to adjust to the extra weight, Um, and that's not making an excuse, and again, none of that, I don't want to make it sound like, uh, oh, Nate, Nate Diaz is just some kind of you know, scrub who who got lucky or oh, whatever. Yeah, I mean, right. no, I mean he 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 absolutely capitalized on it or whatever. But just in terms of being a Conor McGregor fan and knowing what he's uh, capable of, um, I think this is going to be a really interesting fight. I'm I'm very excited to see what's going to happen. Yeah, listen, um, that's yeah, my son. My son Johnny and I are huge MMA fans, so we'll, I know we'll be ordering the fight. And I'm thinking about having a little party and having some people over and. If uh, if we do, Alex, you will be the first phone call we make asking, do you know anybody else that would want to come? Anyway. <laughs> I don't know anybody who lives that far away. Sorry. <laughs> Listen, before we get started with this week's episode, I want to touch on two things real quick. Um, and they both revolve around last week's episode. Uh, first is uh, we want to thank David Peterson for coming on. Uh, top-notch, top-notch Wing Chun man, but uh, top-notch human being. Really, really, it was just so awesome getting to know him. And they say, you know, never meet your heroes because they never live up the expectations. Well, honestly, you know, David Peterson's been a hero of mine for the longest time, and he lived up to my expectations. He was such a gentleman, and he was just incredibly nice and informative and um, was selfish. So what's the right word? Self- selfless. Selfless. In that even after we went off the air, like, he sat and chatted with me for a little while, you know, chatted with me and Alex, and I, I let Alex sit in on that. But um, it was just so it was just so nice. It was really cool. And, it, and 
going along with that, we had the most single most amount of downloads for a single episode so far. You know, 490 downloads on that one episode, and it happened really quick. So, um, needless to say, he'll be back. Um, and the and the other thing I want to say real quick is that apparently I said something on last week's episode that upset a few people, and nothing could make me happier. I um, I said that uh, JKD people like to. Uh, Someone asked a question about the Jikundo Chisao, and I said that it was basically Wing Chun Chisao done incorrectly. Mm-hmm. And um, I just want to double down on that. It's not only done correctly; it's 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 ridiculously stupid. Um, now, what I really mean is, I didn't mean to say that nobody in JKD knows how to do Chisao. That's 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 it's that's not what I meant to say. And if that's the way it came off, I apologize. What I meant to say is everybody in JK that I've seen do Chisao sucked. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. What I'm saying is the idea is to say that there's JKD Chisao is to me silly. Yeah, you can do Chisao in right lead. It doesn't make it a JKD Chisao. It makes it a more restrictive Chisao. You know, Chisao is stepping all over the place. To sit there and say you're only going to do it in right lead is silly. If you're going to put gloves on and mouthpiece in and say we're going to do JKD Chisao and beat the shit out of each other, just spar. You know, the idea that you're doing JKD Chisao is just foreign to me. And with that, yes, most people that I've seen most, not all, most people I've seen do JKD people that do Chisao are horrible at it. They don't realize it, but they're horrible at it. We and and yes, I know everyone. Everybody that wrote me all had the same thing. Yes, you've Chisao'd with Wing Chun people and kicked the shit out of them, and you Chisao'd with Wing Chun people, and they said yours the best Wing Chao, best Chisao. Awesome, great, love it. Stroke yourself some more. That's fantastic. What I'm just trying to say is a lot of times JKD people end up chasing hands. They end up doing things that are just against the tenets of Chisao. And I'm sorry for taking up so much time with that, Alex, but I just wanted to I, – I got a lot of mail about that, let's just say. And none, sure, of it was, sure. none of it was friendly, so I wanted to talk about it. I can it. imagine. Well, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't <laughs> envy you in that battle. I, I definitely uh, – uh, keep keep a certain opinions to myself, but I definitely applaud you for going and saying that. You know, I mean, it it definitely um, uh, is something that I think a lot of people uh, tend to be uh, very tribal about. It's like, well, there there is a. I guess there's kind of a, a feeling that, um, and I get it a lot as a Wing Chun person. It's like sometimes you you tell somebody uh, that you do Wing Chun, and and the Chinese always say the half buckets make the most noise. And the martial arts world is full of half buckets. And what they mean by half buckets is that, uh, you know, a half bucket of water, if you carry it around and move it around, splishes and splashes a lot, so it makes a lot of noise. And the half bucket of water is analogous to people who have a little bit of knowledge about martial arts, or maybe they've done it... um, for a little while and they tend to overestimate their knowledge and their experience. Um, In fact, it's a common problem in human psychology that we tend to overestimate how much we know about a certain topic. I mean, they've actually done scientific tests about this. Like people, even people who've been doing something for a very long time, they they tend to think that they know a lot more than they actually do. And so you have a lot of kind of, I guess what you could call half bucket practitioners out there. You have them in Wing Chun, you have them in JKD, I'm in every martial art. who have been doing it for a little bit, read a couple books, read a couple magazines, read a couple forums uh, forums online, and suddenly 
they are 100% qualified to give their opinions about everything, and their opinions are true and correct because they're theirs or because their Sifu told them that this was true or whatever. And then you have people who are basically living in a very strict belief system. It's very similar to uh, you know, people who are very indoctrinated in, in – I wouldn't even say religion, but almost cult, like cults. You know, and, and there's not really a whole lot of arguing with them because they are not actually open to hearing what other people have to say so much as they just want to kind of spawn their worldview. And, and so you have – when I tell people I do Wing Chun and you have these half buckets and they go, oh, yeah, well, didn't Bruce Lee have to change that because there was like a lot of limitation in Wing Chun? And then right. you kind of don't you want to just slap the shit out of them when they say something like that? Yeah, and 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 it's it's kind of funny because people who really have an open mind would never say something so stupid, <laughs> and people who actually understand something about kind of how very subjective martial arts are, they're not as objective as people would like to think they are. They're very subjective. Um, they would realize that that would be a very stupid thing to say and and you know and then what do you say you go yeah well yeah there's limitation in wing chun and and but i guess i do it because i like it and i'm just some kind of dope doing some kind of limited (laughs) martial art or whatever right um or you say well you you have to understand bruce lee was a phenomenal martial art and we have him to thank for a phenomenal martial artist and we have him to thank for so many of the innovations that we take for granted nowadays like even martial artists use like focus mitts and stuff like that. I mean, I, I don't know anybody who did that before him. You know, there's so many things we just do nowadays that kind of you can attribute them to him. But at the same time, he learned Wing Chun for three years when he was a teenager. And it, there's, you know, varying accounts depending on dif- different people that you talk to, people who are out of the church of Bruce Lee, but people who are actually just there in Hong Kong during that time will tell you, and he actually didn't really learn that much. Even Hawkins Chung, who was one of his close training partners, uh, before Bruce left to go to the States, Bruce said, well, I'm going to teach some Kung Fu to earn some extra money. And Hawkins Chung, he said this in an interview, he told Bruce, how can you go teach? You don't even know that much. <laughs> and and uh, of course, you know, when Bruce Lee ma- made, you know, certain claims in, in articles that, you know, uh, Wing Chun only had one punch or whatever, um, then of course everyone says, see, it's limited. Of course, in boxing, you have hooks and uppercuts. And, and anyone who's learned the Chum Kyu form knows that, that we have a Chao Chong Kyu in the Chum Kyu form, which is a lifting punch. And the Buji form has a, a hooking punch. And we basically have a straight and a lifting punch and a hooking punch. And not to mention elbows from all sorts of different angles and all sorts of knees and stuff, things that, you know, people don't even talk about being part of Wing Chun, but it's a matter of um, how much was he actually exposed to. And I think what Bruce Lee did learn, he could do very well. And I think he was much more diligent than other people who may have learned more of the system. That I'll totally give Bruce Lee. He was definitely, he busted his ass more than than people, than more than many of his seahangs who sit around and, and talk shit these days. But... It's still a question of context. How much did he actually learn? And and how how much was he qualified to say that Wing Chun was actually limited in? And I'm not saying that Wing Chun doesn't have its limitations. I'm just saying that the, Bruce Lee has gone on record saying some things about Wing Chun that are actually not true. And and so this is a much deeper argument than I think people really want to let on. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I, I think you're 100% right. And I think there's a culture in... Within Jeet Kune Do, within the Jeet Kune Do community, that leads to the belief that because we do Jeet Kune Do, we can correct other martial arts. Right. That there's, there's there's this idea that you know because of some misunderstood bullshit expressions like um, you know absorb what is useful and things to that effect, that people in JKD think like oh well I can fix Muay Thai. 
I can fix Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I have the ability to look at. I have they they have to call the Jikundo eye. I I have this Jikundo eye, and I can look at Wing Chun and I can find all the errors and absorb what is useful, you know, without even without even knowing it. And and I, and I think that leads to bad habits. I think it leads to. Um, misinformation about the particular arts being spread within the community and people start writing things off and it's ridiculous and I know in, in, in JKD you know, I've always had a love for Wing Chun and I, I would always I feel it's the, I've always like went towards that, at, that end of, Wing, of JKD the Wing Chun at, end of it and, um, and when I was finally exposed to Wing Chun by people that knew it like Steve Golden I was like, wow, I've been doing it wrong for all these years by well-meaning people. Well-meaning people taught me what they believed to be Wing Chun, and it was horrible. Sure. It was sure. horrid. And I could understand why their opinion of Wing Chun was so low, because they were basing it on this horrid curriculum that they had and this horrid ability level so some somebody taught it to them that didn't even know it and now they teach it to other people that don't even know it of right. course it's horrible of course it's chasing hands of course there's no loy lao hoi sung lao tsao ji chung there's just nothing there there's no there there and yes I know I said that all wrong Alex but I'm trying my freaking best hey, it's can... very funny you literally just said eight words of Cantonese in a row That that's pretty cool man <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. It's great. It's beautiful. <laughs> but, you know, like, there's, there's there's no there there. So I understand why they feel the way they do. But I would love for them to just take a step back and say, hey, you know what? Maybe there's something that I don't know. Maybe maybe their egos can let them in. And it, and it, does, take, it does take a while to do that, you know. And I've had to do that for several things, Wing Chun and grappling being two of them. Right. Well, I think you mentioned something offhandedly in, 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 in what you just said, which I don't think people take into consideration when they always complain about politics. You said well-intentioned, and that is exactly the, the problem of the discourse. I mean, in, in let's just say in, in the, probably the discourse and everything that goes on online, but let's just say specifically now just for Wing Chun or Jeet Kune Do. The problem is that there are definitely people out there who are shysters, who are trying to take people's money or trying to fool them, and they know damn well that they are, are not qualified or they're not legit. But I would actually argue that the majority of the people who teach, uh, let's just say Wing Chun in some form or another, are actually well-intentioned people. Doesn't matter what's because like when, when you know you look at somebody from a certain lineage that's maybe n- not very good and then and then you meet that person face to face you're like oh but they're like an all right dude they're like totally fine they're totally cool and what you realize is that this this thing about vilifying certain people from different lineages or certain people from from who who you know show Wing Chun in a certain way it comes from the fact that first of all you don't know them and you don't take you don't believe that they're actually well-intentioned, that they're trying to do the best they can with the information that they have. And they may very well believe, and it may be misguided, and it may be wrong, but they, and I believe in their heart, most of them are are actually well-intentioned and they're really trying to do their best. It just happens that they might be working with some limited information. So the moment somebody says, uh, what you're doing is totally wrong, well, people are learning from somebody that they believe is good and that they believe that person's well-intentioned. And now you're not actually attacking the technical thing. They feel you're attacking 
their Sifu as a person because they're like, hey, my Sifu is a good person. Why are you saying that his Bongsao is shit? It's not a question of whether you should do Bongsao this way or that way. It becomes a question of an ad hominem attack where they feel that they're personally or their Sifu is being attacked. And that is why the discourse breaks down so quickly because everyone believes they, they are well-intentioned. They believe their Sifu is well-intentioned. So any attack on or any criticism as to what they do technically is not, they don't take it as a technical criticism. They take it as an attack. And that is 100% what happens on every forum, on every, you know, trolling comment or whatever, is that people can't separate techniques and concepts from the personalities that taught them to them without getting all butthurt. And, and, and that's why um, whenever I make examples like on the podcast about techniques or something, I don't use any specific lineage, not even my own. I use like very generic examples so that we can look at them as they are and there's no emotional attachment for anyone who's listening to it because then you can actually get the argument across much easier than the moment someone feels that they're at- attacked or their Sifu is attacked. It doesn't matter how solid your argument is, it goes out the window. And I think that that's the problem with the discourse in, in, in martial arts these days. Oh, I, you, you, you said it perfectly. I, you know, I remember many years ago, I, uh, when I first started learning from Matt Thornton, uh, the straight boy from Straight Boys Gyms, he was uh, very active in martial arts forums on the internet at the time, and he would argue against some very popular drills. And um, let's, let's say, who bud, who bud? He would argue against that repeatedly. And people would never argue the drill. They would argue, but Guru so-and-so or Sifu so-and-so has been teaching that for the last 20 years. Right. Are you saying they don't know what they're talking about? Right. And he would say, no, I'm not talking about persons or personalities. Right. I'm talking about let's talk about the drill itself. What is it supposed to be drilling? How is it drilling that? And is there a better way of doing it? Right. It's and never pe- going to happen. Right. People would be like, they, they couldn't do it. Like they, they right. couldn't have the argument. Right. <laughs> you know, so... Oh, well, well um, anyway, well, actually, that was very interesting. I didn't even think we were going to talk about that today. That was actually totally unre... You know, we didn't yeah. plan to discuss that or whatever. That was pretty cool. I think some uh, of our best moments on this podcast have been unplanned. Absolutely. Well, we had kind of a, an idea for our last... Because th- this is... Um, um, well, actually, we didn't even discuss it. So this is episode 12. This is technically the last episode of season one of Dudes of Kung Fu. And we plan on taking uh, just a short four-week break. And we'll be back on at the beginning of September with uh, episode one of uh, season two. Uh, we just need, you know, a couple couple weeks to kind of recharge our batteries and get some stuff done and enjoy a little bit of summer. Um, and we had this idea that we bounced around with each other um, about m- the last episode, meaning this episode, being kind of um, a quick Q&A between you and I. So I would fire off a question and you'd have like one minute to answer it and then you'd fire a question to me. I have one minute to answer it. And of course, anyone who's listened to our podcast knows that we, we can talk forever about any one particular thing. But forcing us to only have one minute to answer means that we have to be brief, we have to be efficient and – we might even plant the seeds for a further discussion about it in the future. So um, I have my timer here. I got my iPhone here. 
I have a bunch of questions written for you. I know you might have some questions for me. And of course, if you like any of my questions, you could fire them back. If I like your questions, I might fire them back at you. Um, I say we only give each other one minute to answer. So then it's like it's like speed chess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think most of the questions we should just do both of us answer unless they're specific to you. Like, sure. Uh, well, we can know. switch switch around if there's some specifics or or whatever. Um, yeah, sure. So um, we can we can do it like that, and uh, we'll we'll see if this format even works because <laughs> we're kind of testing this live on the air. We we didn't uh, we haven't we we didn't do a dress rehearsal of this, folks. So if this totally bombs, uh, you well you can blame me. This was kind of more my idea than it was Sean's idea. So I'll I'll take the heat for this one, uh, but we'll uh, we'll we'll try our best. All right, so you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the first question because it's a uh, it's we got it from one of your students, so I think it's only oh, fair that shit. I. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the Black Ninja wrote in, okay, <laughs> Barry Cooper. Um, for, so get your timer oh, ready. Man, yeah. By the way, I, I got my timer ready. So as soon as you finish the question, I'll hit start. I'll try to answer it. Maybe I answer it in less than a minute, and I'll hit stop, and then I'll reset it, and then when it's your turn, I'll do the same thing. Sounds like a plan. All right. All right, so you're going to answer first. Here's the question from Barry Cooper. For Sifu Sean Madigan and Alex Richter, is there anyone in the world, if you saw them today, you would totally punch them in the nose without warning? Uh, The answer is yes. Oh, come on. Who, man? That's bullshit. Wasn't the question just, is there any? That was an is question. That wasn't a who question. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I generally, I, I, don't, I don't have any enemies. I don't, there, there's some people who have, who have done some less than ethical things in, in terms of their dealings with me. Um, some Wing Chun people in Europe, some Wing Chun people in Hong Kong. Um, but uh, not, nothing that would really anger me towards violence because for the most part, people who treat me like that, I, I just, I kind of laugh it off. I have a very, uh, I don't take myself that seriously where I need to constantly defend my own honor by punching people in the face. But uh, yeah, in, in theory, there might be some people, but in actuality, I'd, I'd probably just walk on by, as they say. <laughs> All right. Hey, wow. That was pretty quick. I did that pretty short. All right. Now it's your turn. So, All right, so the same question. All right. Now you're on. Well, the answer to me is, I, I don't know if there's people out there I would want to punch in the face, but there is definitely people I would celebrate watching them get punched in the face. Like, I don't know if, like, I, don't know if I would have it in me to just go up and punch a guy in the face. You know, everybody that I've wanted to do that to has already been punched. <laughs> so, but um, there's people out there, and some of them are friends, that I'd love to give a good smack in the face. A real good, just nice pimp bitch slap in the face for just being unethical irresponsible with the shit that they say online and they just should be better people than they actually are so punch nah but a bitch slap man the list is long and freaking proud <laughs> all right cool hey you did that in 45 seconds not bad i, th- I think we can do this format i, I think uh, <laughs> i think this one might work um I have a so we'll switch it out. I have a question now. Then you can answer first, and then if if you like it, I suppose you sure. can throw it back in me. So um, one of the big reasons most people do martial arts is well, at least people in our generation, new generation, maybe it's MMA, maybe it's other things. But for people kind of our age, maybe a little bit older, uh, it was Bruce Lee. So I would like you to describe your first Bruce Lee experience, whatever that might be. Oh yeah, I can tell you exactly. It was seeing Enter the Dragon. At the movie theater, right? Oh, I think it's the Sanders movie theater. Oh my God, the Sanders movie theater, right outside Prospect Park, like Ninth Avenue and Seventeenth Street in Brooklyn. There's a movie theater, 
Yeah, there was a movie theater. I haven't been down there in 20 years. And I remember I saw Enter the Dragon there with my cousins. And we just... I, my cousins dragged me there. I didn't, you know, I know, didn't know who Bruce Lee was. And man, we just beat the shit out of each other all the way home, thinking we were Bruce Lee. <laughs> <laughs> and, like that was my first, like, um, I think it was Enter the Dragon. And then after that, we saw like uh, we saw him at a, they had some festival there, and we saw uh, God, what's the one? You know, there's a, there was like a, a double feature, and uh-huh. um, I, I don't remember which one it was, but it was a double feature of two Bruce Lee movies. But that was my first experience with Bruce Lee. Was uh, an Enter the Dragon movie theater in the movies as a kid. Time. Wow, that was exactly one minute. Awesome. Oh my god. Wow. See, <laughs> we we do despite the fact that we are Wing Chun and JKD <laughs> people, we actually can be efficient if we need to. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, All right, so, God. well, you can fire the same one back, or you can give me another question. It's totally up to you. I, I would like to ask you, with all the Wing Chun people in the world, why did you choose uh, Grandmaster Lung Ting? I mean, you traveled all the way to Germany. Uh, I mean, if I'm confusing that, I'm sorry. But you, picked the, you, you, you traveled to Germany, and you picked the Lung Ting lineage. It's clearly done you well in life. Like, why did you pick that lineage if if you had to travel anyway? What was so attractive about that lineage that you went there? All right. Um, well, I had done three years of non-classical Wing Chun training in the Seattle area under people who trained with, like, James DeMille and, and Ed Hart. And so so my first introduction to Wing Chun was kind of that non-classical Bruce Lee Wing Chun. But I was very, I wanted to learn a, a more traditional Wing Chun because I wanted to kind of know where um, where the roots were, and I wanted to compare it. I didn't want to see what Bruce Lee's edits were. I wanted to see the real thing or the original thing as I thought it was. So I, I went to Germany, and I got picked up a martial arts magazine, and I saw there was like WT learn Ting Wing Chun like like a thousand schools in Germany I'm like, holy shit and then I ordered the book in German my Sivu's book I couldn't even read it I was just reading the photos and and it had an ad in there for Langensel Castle where you can go and train full time to become an instructor and at that time they had nothing like that in the States Sivu Emin Bostepe didn't have any professional training for instructors at that time so I flew my ass to Germany to go train in a castle and it was based on the marketing of Lang Teng Wing Chun for sure that's incredible. That's, I mean, for another episode, we got to save that. I want to hear that story because there are a lot of stories. Also, uh, leading up to going to the castle, my time at the, I have crazy stories of people I train with, stuff that happened behind the scenes. Also, like I trained with a lot of very famous Wing Chun instructors over there. So there, there's a, there's a there's a big deep dig if you ever want to hear all sorts of crazy shit about my time <laughs> in Germany. So uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, so now. Uh, now it's my turn. It's so, my uh, turn. It's my turn. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, up. So, kind of straightforward question: What was your, or what is your proudest moment as an instructor so far? Okay. Wow. All right. So real. Uh, okay. So I'm gonna answer. It's not funny. It's a serious thing. I when I first started teaching within the first couple of years, I had a woman train with me for a little while. She was from Ireland. And I'll never forget one time she came up to me after, oh, geez, I don't know, after training with me for two or three months, she said that she had an argument with her boyfriend, and the boyfriend used to slap her around, and it was the first time she felt, like, confident. And she, when he took a step towards her, she said, don't take another step. And she felt like, 
I, I you know, like she didn't say she didn't say it to him like I'll knock you the fuck out. But in her head, she was like, I'll knock you the fuck out. And she came into class telling me this story that it was the first time she ever stood up to her boyfriend, and who he liked to push her around a little bit. And man. I felt so proud. It was amazing. I was just like, God, that's awesome. This is the best feeling in the world. And that's Hi. really it. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, that's awesome. That's, a, that's great. No, that's really fantastic. That's really fantastic. Well, I'm going to throw that one right back at you, though, brother. I mean, you, you're, you're, the, you're the master teacher here. Uh, What's your yeah. proudest moment as a as Well, a it, it's, it's difficult. I mean, I've been teaching... For, for almost 15 years now and I, I've taught a lot of people so I've had a lot of different experiences all I guess many of them very very positive and, and I've had some similar experiences to yours with uh, you know women who are training for you know some time and then you know they were either in an abusive relationship or or, or they just stood up to some dude in a bar who was you know g- giving them uh, a hard time or whatever but um yeah, I, I think uh, probably the, the the proudest moment for me um, would be, yeah, I, I had a student who, who, who basically told me that he had uh, an abusive father, and it was a male student, and he says he, he never had the confidence to kind of get far in life, and he told me that he finally, because of martial arts training, had the confidence to ask his boss for a promotion, and he got it. And he wow. said he never would have done that had he never done martial arts training. And, and it's interesting. People don't realize the, the many ways that martial arts can actually affect somebody. And, and fighting is normally the least of all those things. Yeah. Excellent point. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. So, uh, so I got to come over. Me. I got to come up with a question for you. Oh, no. Hey, yeah. Let me know. Oh, it's my turn. It's my turn. Ah, let me find something really nasty. Here. I hate all answering right. questions. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, actually, I have, I have kind of a trilogy of questions, and maybe these we should bounce back because I, I also would like to know my answer because I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell folks a lot of thought went into this, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny that, that what I just said. It's like I would also like to know my answer. I was, I was reading an article on Twitter yesterday. Uh, it was about Mel Brooks, who's like one of my all-time favorites. Oh, absolutely. And I like, love all his old films or whatever. And, and it had like the 21 best Mel Brooks quotes. And it, they weren't quotes from his films. They were like things that Mel Brooks has actually said, like in interviews or whatever. And, and he said something like, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm one of the best writers I know. I really like the stuff that I do. <laughs> I, just thought, I just thought it was like so cool. Um, yeah, so, uh, all right, so kind of a trilogy of questions. Uh, and then I guess we'll just, you know, if mm-hmm. you don't mind, we'll, we'll throw yeah. them back and forth. Uh, so the first one is, if you could meet any martial artist who's alive today... Who who would that be and why? Okay, you're asking me? Yes, go ahead. For me, it is Yip Chun. Um, I don't know if he's if other Wing Chun people consider him the greatest or the worst. I don't care. There's something about watching a, a man in his late 70s, early 80s, still out there doing chi sao. And I, I, I just am fascinated by the man. I, I've never met him. I know Alex probably has his home phone number, but I, you know, I, I never, I never met him, and I, I am fascinated by Yip Chun. I mean, his brother Yip Ching also, but there's something about Yip Chun that I just, I want to meet the man, and I wanna, I wanna do chi sao with him, and uh, you know, I don't know, just that, that's the guy, that's that's the guy. Yip Chun for me is somebody who I am dying to meet one day. Cool. Well, it's going to be a tough one because at this moment, I actually have zero idea what the hell I'm going to answer. So uh, I will. 
Well, you've will... met everybody, right? So. Well, yeah, that's also that's also the problem too. I, I have been very fortunate of having met uh, a lot of people. Um, uh, not always trained with them, but I have met a lot of people. So I'll put the timer on now. I'll make it fair. Okay. So uh, let me see. Anybody who's still alive today, okay? So within the Wing Chun community, I have to almost braggingly say I've kind of almost met everybody. Um, in, you know, probably at this point, I would like to meet, uh, well, but the problem is I've already, I was going to say I would like to meet Jackie Chan because I'd like to sit and talk to him, but I've actually already met Jackie Chan. <laughs> I don't like to say Sam Hung, but I've actually already met Sam Hung. So, like, the, the list is. Reason, list. reason 18 to hold Alex's head on the water until the bubble <laughs> stop. <laughs> uh, actually, you know, now that I think about it, I would like to meet Huang Jung Lee. Huang Jung Lee was a Korean actor who usually played a bad guy in those old uh, kung fu films. He was the bad guy in Drunken Master. He was just, like an amazing kicker. And he was a real life hardcore taekwondo guy. He actually killed a guy in, in the military. And he did the dude. Huang Jung Lee is a total badass. One of the, the most amazing kickers ever. And I, I would love to just kind of get because he's kind of an old veteran. I'm sure he's got a lot of old stories too. So it'd be kind of fun to pick his brain a bit. There you go. All right. Wow, well, that was tough. That came down to the wire. I had like 20 <laughs> seconds left, and I had not yet answered the question. I was like, uh, I'm stalling. I'm stalling, and I'm running out of time here. <laughs> That's um, great. All right, cool. So that was the first question. So now the second question in that trilogy is, if you could meet any martial artist who had passed on but is not Bruce Lee, who would that be? All right, oh, go I got ahead. no problem answering that one. Uh-huh. Miyamoto Masashi-sama. <laughs> oh man, I love me some Masashi. Um, Masashi Sama, I would. Miyamoto Masashi is a, a childhood hero of mine. I read, um, I shouldn't say childhood, as a young adult, I read a book called uh, Musashi by a man named Yuji Yakosawa. It got broken down into like six or seven paperbacks, but I had the hardcover. And I was so fascinated by this novel. I, it's a novel, it's a novelized version of Musashi's life. And it was that book that led me to go buy a book of five rings and start looking into Miyamoto Musashi, the man himself, as opposed to a novelized version of him. And God, I love me some Miyamoto Musashi. And that's the, that's, that's the man. Awesome. Cool, cool, cool. Hey, very great answer. Very great answer. All right, I'm going to start the timer for myself. <laughs> um, actually, if there's anybody in the past uh, I would like to meet would be Leung Chan. Um, because uh, to be able to meet Leung Chan um, would answer a lot of questions about Wing Chun's origins um, because he's kind of um, one of the most famous Wing Chun practitioners. He's known as the kind of the Kung Fu King of Wing Chun or whatever. But a lot of the controversies that involved um, Grandmaster Yip Man's Wing Chun and whether Grandmaster Yip Man added things or changed things or, or whether there was a such person as Leung Bik or whatever, which is highly, highly debatable, um, could be easily answered if I just could sit down and have a nice Cantonese chat over Yum Cha with Leung Chan for, for an hour. I, I think that that would, would answer a lot of questions in terms of the uh, origins of uh, um, our Wing Chun and how much was changed. And then I would definitely know wh whether Grandmaster Yip Man had other sources based on what I could see uh, from Leung Chan. So that would be that would be, be like a huge, huge thing there. That's nice. That's, yeah. uh, I don't know and why. That's I a, think... 
That, that's a tough one for me to answer too, because there's a lot of people I would love to meet for like, I also love to meet Lam Sai Wing. Lam Sai Wing was uh, known as Stuart Wing, the butcher wing from, he was Wong Fei Hong's most famous student. And, and he was an expert in, in, in the Lok Ting Bun Guan. And, and so, I mean, like I'm such a geek, like, uh, but of course I have to think like, okay, this is a Wing Chun podcast. So it's a Wing Chun person, right? Yeah. Well, I so, wanted, I initially almost said Elvis Presley, right? I mean, he's a, he's a right, Kem, right. Kem, Kempo karate guy doing that shit up on stage. and everything. Yeah, te- Technically. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, you know, he is a martial artist. He was a martial artist. Um, can I tell you just two kind of weird things about Elvis Presley that I know? Uh, sure. Actually, three, three things, but I'll make them really quick, and then we'll get to the third question, all right? Yeah, is, sure, guys. This is, this, is, this is the final episode. This is very stream of consciousness, all right? Um, so... Um, one, uh, El- so Priscilla Presley, uh, so I actually have a weird connection to Priscilla Presley. Uh, my, my godmother, uh, who, who passed away a number of years ago, she was like a, a, f- a very famous socialite in Beverly Hills, and she looked like Brigitte Nielsen like in her hot days. Right. And, and, and she was like amazing, and she like hung out with movie stars and stuff, and she happened to be my godmother. She was okay, totally you posted cool. a picture of her on Facebook once. Yes, 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 yes. I almost yes. said something very inappropriate when I saw that picture. That is a hot woman. Right, yeah, I remember that like, picture. She was like amazing, and she used to date this guy. Actually, no, she she didn't date. She was married to a guy, uh, a Brazilian actor named Marco Garibaldi. And my godmother Joanne introduced Marco to Priscilla Presley, and Marco left my godmother to be with Priscilla Presley. Wow. Yes, yeah, and, and it's like she's the one who introduced them, and then I think they ended up having a couple kids, but uh, Priscilla and Marco never married, um, and uh, um, but they were like together for like a really really long time. So anyway, that's like, and I remember my my godmother was on on the cover of the National Enquirer. I saw it in the grocery store. I was like a real little kid, and I was like, I, told, I was like, hey mom, isn't that isn't that Joanne? And and then the paparazzi had snapped a photo of her like coming out saying like this is the woman that you know was dumped for Priscilla Presley or something like that. So so anyway, so that's like one totally non-martial arts thing. I don't know where the hell that <laughs> came from. Second thing, uh, there's an old story that uh, one of Ed Parker's students had said that like uh, Elvis showed up to one of Ed Parker's um, seminars uh, totally like you know, high off his gourd and shows up, pulls up in a limo, like halfway through one of Ed Parker's seminars <laughs> and shows up in, in his, like, you know, his rhinestone encrusted karate gi where it says like, you know, Elvis on the back and like the faux right, Asian right, writing right, or right, whatever. Right. He's got like, you know, bell bottom karate pants and he's got like a, a, a you know, butterfly collar under the, <laughs> the, the, the gi top, of course, you know, cause he's freaking Elvis. And he shows up halfway through and he just starts teaching at the seminar. Like, he just kind of, like, takes over without asking. He starts showing stuff, and he's so high off his gourd. He's, like, kicking dudes in the nuts. And he's like, he's like come, on, come over here, punch, punch, come here and punch me in the face. And then, he's, of course, he's Elvis, so no one really wants to attack Elvis, right? So they're giving him, like, these half-ass punches, right? And then Elvis will block it and, like, kick them in the nuts and stuff. And he, just came, he was, like, wrecking all these dudes. And then he just... After about 10 minutes, and no one says anything because it's freaking Elvis, right? After like 10 minutes or so, he just puts his feet together and he bows and he just gets in his car and leaves. And then, like, everyone's just kind of like, What was that? <laughs> and then, like, Ed Parker continues the seminar. So, anyway, it's the story. I actually heard that story from two totally separate people, so I thought it was kind of funny. Like, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> and the last, the last Elvis story I'll tell you is I had a student who, who grew up in Memphis. And he lived next door to, I think the guy's name was Red. I think he was part oh, of. Oh, sure. Like, Red yeah. West. Yeah, yeah. He was, like, was like part of Elvis's entourage or whatever, right? And, and when he had was a security. A real, yeah, he had a security. And when he was a, when he was a little kid, 
my student uh, um, read, he was friends with Red, like they somehow they had some kind of fa familial connection or whatever. And Red took him out to his backyard and showed him a Cadillac. It was like a 70s Cadillac. You know, Elvis had this thing where he would sure. give people Cadillacs, right? If he liked you, he was like, I'll like, I'll like him, we'll, we'll give you a Cadillac, right? And then so he would like, you know, give dudes Cadillacs if he liked them, right? So uh, he took he took little Zach at that time. And he says, hey, why don't you take a look um, in that Cadillac in the dash? And, you know, he opens it and there's like a huge like explosion in the middle of the dashboard. Right. And, and it's just it just looked like a bomb had like blown up in there. Right. And then he says, do you know what happened there? And, and then, of course, Zach, you know, he's like a little key. He's like, no, I don't know what happened. Tell me. And he said, El like Elvis had given uh, Red that Cadillac. And then, you know, gave him as a gift. And like a week later or so, like Elvis was totally high off his gourd, shows up, was totally pissed off about something Priscilla had said to him and took a shotgun and blew a hole in the dash <laughs> and, and, then, and then left without saying a word. And then like Red was so freaked out, but he kept the Cadillac with the the exploded dash from the shotgun right, right, that right. like Elvis had used. And like, and here he was showing this to my students. Like he had seen the, this, this Cadillac that had been just like partially destroyed by Elvis. So anyway, yeah, Elvis would have been a very interesting character to me too. By the way, also, uh, a little side note for any of you folks that are my age and remember the TV show Bob Bob Black Sheep with uh, Robert Conrad. I don't know, Alex, do you remember? Did you even know that show? No, I don't. Okay, even know that so show. Robert Conrad played a character named Pappy Boynton, and it was an old TV show um, about fighter planes in World War II. Red West, Elvis Presley's head of security, his chief bodyguard, played the, the grumpy old mechanic on that show. That was that. So if you don't know who Red West is, just check out. But remember, remember Bob Bob Black Sheep, the grumpy old airplane mechanic. That's awesome. Elvis Presley's head bodyguard. Awesome, yeah. awesome, awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's great, man. I, I almost feel we could do like a weird side like podcast just about like our weird Elvis stories. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, okay, so the final question in that trilogy yes. is: if you could go back in time, let's say to like 1970, and meet Bruce Lee. Okay, but you only had one minute with him. Oh wow! What would you say to him? And your minute started. <laughs> I w I would say to him. He's standing in front of you right now. I would say, could you autograph this check for me? This blank check. <laughs> <laughs> I would say to him. Oh Jesus, Alex! This is an awesome question. I would I would say to him, show me one thing that I'll be able to use the rest of my life, regardless of my age. <laughs> What's the one thing I should work on that for my whole life I'll be able to use, regardless of age or even system? And I even know what he'll show me. He'll show me broken rhythm. But that's that's that's. I would have to say, can you show me one thing? Mm. That I'll that I'll that I'll be able to use for the rest of my oh, life. Oh, he would just say, "Why don't you just buy a gun?" <laughs> <laughs> Bang, settle it. Bang, settle it. <laughs> Do you want me to answer that question? Yeah, because you know you're going to have a better answer than me. I don't know I'm going to have a better answer. I mean, it's a re it's kind of a ridiculous scenario, but it's kind of in it's an interesting thought experiment for sure. Sure, sure. Right? Okay, all right. So I'll put the minute on right now. Okay. Um, well, I would say like well. If you thought you could live a long time and, and affect people privately with your martial arts... Have I got news for you? You die or, soon. <laughs> or if you knew that you would die July 20, 1973 <laughs> and become a legend, but it would be over, would you do anything different? All right. Wow. 
And that's all yeah. I would say because that's about all the time you have. But I would I would basically tell him that, and and, and it'd be very interesting to see if he'd be able to change anything, especially in in his purported. Uh, kind of self-destructive last few months that he had there. It'd be very interesting if he sure, sure. take that seriously. Yeah, I mean, I'm also, being a Hong Kong movie nut, I'm also uh, uh, always investigating kind of those last four months of Bruce Lee's life. They were very, very strange and very interesting. I know a lot of people in Hong Kong who have told me some very, very interesting things. So, yeah. So anyway, yeah. The, so the, the, those were the, the trilogy of questions I just thought, you know. Yeah, um, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- thought th- those those might be a little a little bit thought provoking, if if not completely ridiculous. But uh, th- they're not the only questions I have. It's just that like I wanted to kind of ask those three in a, in a row. Yeah, sure. Um, well, since why don't you ask me one, since we're going back in time, if you could go back in time to whenever you first opened your school, mm-hmm. and you were going to say, I'm going to definitely do this one thing differently or I'm going to do something I did do I would do more of mm-hmm. like what's what's something you would one thing you would change about the way you ran your school back then that mm. you know maybe would have gotten to you to the success where you are now faster Oh, I would have told myself to hook up with Stephen Oliver much, much sooner. Stephen Oliver is like a, a master martial arts marketer, and, and he does like consultations for martial arts schools in terms of how to run your school on the business end. And I, I didn't, I didn't even meet with him until 2010 or 2011 or whatever, and then really kind of. And I had learned a lot about martial arts business through books and seminars and things like that. I was always a student of the, the business end of things, totally separate from the martial arts end of things. But I would have told myself, hey, man, save yourself a lot of time. Just go to Stephen Oliver, pay the money, <laughs> learn how to do it, and then right. I would be where I am right now, where I'm actually kind of enjoying my time teaching. Um, I would have been there t- 10 years ago easily, and, and who knows where I'd be today. But that, that would be the only thing I, I would just tell myself to, to hook up with Stephen Oliver easier, uh, earlier, I should say. Um, all right. So, well, you don't have a school, so I can't really ask you the same question. No, right. That doesn't apply to me. <laughs> all right. So I got to ask you another question. Um, yeah, I know this is going to be tough for you to say in one minute, but um, why did you choose to follow Steve Golden and Jeet Kune Do? All right. So real quickly, uh, Steve Golden contacted me initially because I had a Jeet Kune Do website, and he sent me an email saying, um, "That's a, you have a great website about Jeet Kune Do, tons of information. Unfortunately, it's all wrong. <laughs> and I re- recognized the name, and I... Not going to lie, I went to Steve Golden because of a connection, because he was connected to Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. But I stayed with Steve Golden because of Steve Golden. At right. some point in my martial arts, early martial arts career, I probably could have picked and choose any number of Jeet Kune Do instructors. I had other, other original Bruce Lee students offer me certifications in their organizations and things to that effect. And um, I... Nobody was, in my opinion, half the teacher or half the person that Steve Golden is, and so I may have went to I went to Steve Golden because of Bruce Lee. Time, bitch. <laughs> I guess we'll just have to talk about that on another podcast, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Jeez, that's that's rough. Actually, I was just I was just waiting for the moment to say time. <laughs> I love cutting you off. It's one of my favorite things in the world to do. <laughs> 
it, it's, ah, even, it's even better than I mean, you always say really great stuff, but the thing is, we, we we always have things to talk about, and I think when it comes to our own personal teachers, is never a dearth of, of information and oh. stories and stuff to, to discuss about that. Well, you, you like cutting me off, you much like my wife, it's just the two we just like. Um, so, yeah, my so, yeah, so question, question for you, oh, okay, here it comes. Um, well, I mentioned before. Before you have uh, two beautiful daughters, um, mm-hmm. absolutely gorgeous daughters. Mm-hmm. Do you already have a bacham dao picked out that you will use to hack apart their future boyfriends, or, or are you going <laughs> to leave that? <laughs> yeah, well, of course, you know. Uh, the Silly question, of, I know, but but the funny thing is the luck of having two daughters. It's like, first of all, so um, I'm more than happy of having two daughters. You know, people always say really weird, insensitive shit when you like without even thinking. They're like, "Oh, aren't you disappointed that you didn't have a son?" It's like, first of all, why the hell would you say that to somebody? Yeah, like, that's moronic. Like, yeah. yeah, that's moronic. Like, pretend I was disappointed. It'd be like, I would, what, would you want me to answer? Yes, I'm disappointed I don't have a son. <laughs> it's like, this is a really stupid question. Second of all, everyone goes, oh, just wait until they're teenagers. And then someone invariably says, usually a woman, oh, it begins before they're teenagers already. And it's like, <laughs> it, and it's like, yes, I know. And you know how I know this? Because you're the 20th person who said right. that to me in the last two weeks. And it's not new. It's not funny. And as a dad, it's like they say, having daughters is your karma for being a man. Oh, and wow. I definitely feel that already. Really? At yeah, this young age? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, you know, okay. sometimes, sometimes, like, you know, my, my daughter's, like, at the playground, and there's, like, some boy getting near her, and oh, I have this God. internal edge to je- this this internal uh, desire urge. To just, <laughs> urge to just soccer kick him over the fence and go, like, you <laughs> get the hell away from my daughter, you son of a bitch. You keep your slimy, dirty, grubby hands away from my daughter, or I will kick you like soccer Wow, ball. wow. Yes, yes, yes. So I suppose... I'm more apt to do that than, say, punch someone in the face that I see in Hong Kong that I don't like. But uh, Wow. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're different priorities. Priorities shift once, once you're a parent. You, you don't care about the Wing Chun guy in Hong Kong who annoys you. You, you care about, like, the, you know, that the three-year-old is getting too close to your daughter. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm the father of two sons, so it's just a completely different world for me, you know? Yeah, sure, sure. You don't have to deal with that shit. I have to deal with all the time. Oh, aren't you, aren't you disappointed you have sons? Oh, you wait till they're teenagers. Oh, man. It's just like, and I just want to say, you know, it's almost like when you do Wing Chun and people go like, oh, isn't that like that 80s song, Wang Chung? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, and, okay. you to, and you just want to go, are you, like, do you really think you're the first person who said that to me? Like, oh, my God, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, so here's a, here's a cool little quick little story again. Sorry, it's off topic, but that's what this episode's all about. Yes. Um, I've got, my sons are 18 and 21. So I'm going to say it's 10 years ago. They were like 10 and 12. That's That Katy Perry song came, was, was out. I kissed the girl and I liked it. Yes. And okay, so now I'm now in the pool with my sons who are like young teenagers. Let's call them 12 and 14 or something to that effect. And my youngest son says to me, Hey, Dad, did you hear that song? I kissed a girl and I liked it. And I says, yeah, Nick, I heard the song. He goes, it's about a girl who likes to kiss other girls. And I'm like, yeah, Nick, listen, we live in New York, dude. Get used to it. That's just the way it is in life. Sometimes this happens and, you know, that's it. They're human beings and that's just what it is. He goes, no, no, Dad, but it's, I watched the video and she doesn't even kiss another girl. 
He's like, that's a ripoff, right? He's like, <laughs> <laughs> that is a ripoff. <laughs> so with this, my other son, who's like two years older than him, turns around, I swear to God, says, oh, Nick, just go online and search for girls kissing. <laughs> wow, wow. It's and totally I'm a different world. Fucking dying in the pool when my two kids are talking. I'm like, oh my God. I'm not, now I'm saying, like, I got to put parental filters on my computer. Like, it That's was right. it was a but total. By, but by the time they say that, it's already too late. It's already too late. <laughs> it was a total shock to me. Like, like, it just never even dawned on me. Like, and when my oldest son says, oh, dad, oh, oh, Nick, just go online and search for pictures of girls kissing. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, they, have, they have no idea the struggles we had when we were teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you wanted to see two girls kissing, you, you, you had to find, you know, some, some, some dudes' magazines or you had, right. to wait, you had to wait for the Madonna video, Justify My Love, to play on MTV or, or something, like, just so you could see it and you couldn't oh fast God. forward it or anything. Like, that's all you got. <laughs> oh, man, did this podcast just take a turn, huh? <laughs> So I don't know, but somebody that's listening in, in Be- is Beckycon or something is saying, what? <laughs> What's this internet we're talking about? <laughs> What's this internet? We're the, they're somehow <laughs> listening to our podcast without internet. <laughs> somebody is making the cassette tapes of our podcast and sending them to them. <laughs> uh, awesome, awesome. Uh, hey, um, one more question for you. Sure, shoot. Um, so similar question would you ask me what made you choose Moyot Wing Chun and your seafood Tom Kagan okay really quick I only have one minute whereas in with Jeet Kune Do Bruce Lee was the reason I picked Steve Golden for me it's the exact opposite I went to Moyot Wing Chun because that's the system that Tom Kagan did Tom Kagan was a and still is a great friend of mine, in addition to being my Sifu. So if he was a disciple of Lung Ting, I'd be doing Lung Ting Wing Chun right now and spelling it differently. If he did Wong Chung Lung, I would be doing, you know, Wong Chung Lung Wing Chun. I followed Tom Kagan into Moyat Wing Chun, as opposed to saying, I'm looking for a Moyat Wing Chun instructor, and I found a Tom Kagan and said, hey, can I learn Moyat Wing Chun from you? It was, it was the other way around. It was... Um, and then I'm happy I did so. I've learned so much. It's amazing. Awesome. But, yeah, that's what it was. It was Tom Kagan that led me to Moyat Wing Chun. Beautiful. And a, and a very cool kung fu family it is. Yeah. All right. Do you have one more for me, or are we gonna are we gonna call it quits for the night? <laughs> no, I actually do have a, a, a two part question for you. Two part questions. I mean, I get two minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. We, we, we can both answer this, but um, okay. you more than me because. You're smarter. Oh, um, it's, no, 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 it's, no. Like, it's just the glasses. It's all smoke and mirrors. <laughs> just the glasses. Jesus, God. Okay, so you're a big fan of movies, so you're, um, especially martial arts movies. Mm-hmm. If you had to pick one, what's your favorite martial arts movie? And part two, and you can have two minutes if you want it, what's your favorite non-martial art movie? Oh, well, actually, you basically asked me, of all the questions you could ask me, you asked me probably the hardest damn question for me to answer because I am such a kung fu movie geek. Um, when it comes to, let's just say Hong Kong films, okay? We're not even talking about, like, Thai films or Korean films or Japanese films. Just talk about, like, 
Hong Kong films, and you say, what's your favorite Hong Kong film? I would have to say, what genre? Are we talking about, like, early 70s, like, around the time of Bruce Lee, non-Bruce Lee martial art movies at that time? Were we talking, like, late 70s, Golden Harvest or Shaw Brothers eras? Are we talking, like, Golden Age modern action movies from, like, the late 80s, early 90s? Uh, or are we talking about the revival films, like, uh, Once Upon a Time in China and stuff? So, I... I, I, one. I, pick one. Again, you like my wife. Just pick uh, fucking one. Uh, I would say uh, it would probably be um, Legendary Weapons of China with Lao Kar Lao. Yeah, that's like, that movie's just awesome. That was my minute, all right? That was my minute for that, okay? And I barely squeaked an answer at the end for that. Wow, that was tough. That was tough. I tell you what, I'll do... That's almost like saying, like, what's your favorite Wing Chun technique? And you're like, it depends on the situation. You can't really say you have a favorite one, right? It depends, right? So so I'll do my martial arts one, then we'll go to non-martial arts one. Okay, so I have two, but... one I know the name of and one I don't. And you'll tell me the name of the one that I don't. So the one I do know, uh, you, you, I'm sure you know it. Uh, the one, my favorite movie of all time, I watched on Channel 5 a thousand times, is the, the, the 36 Chamber, or 30 something. 30 yeah, known, is, as, known as Master Killer in the States, yeah. Right, Master, Master Killer, Killer right. Yeah, sure. That one was, I, I loved that movie. And there was one very similar to that that I have no idea the name of it, but I would love it whenever it was on. And it was this day... Similar premise, from what I remember, is the guy had to like build a wall. It was like they had him build. Oh, did a... he have to build it out of bamboo? Yes. Oh yeah, that, that's actually that's actually the sequel to Thirty Six Chambers. Although the uh, Gordon Gordon Liu is in the film. Um, is not playing the same character that he played in the, in the first one. He's actually playing somebody who's pretending to be the monk Sante from, from the first 36 Chambers. And, and then so he has to learn his kung fu by doing the construction and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 sure. I, loved, I loved that movie growing up. I don't know why, but like that was a movie I could watch over and over and over again. <laughs> I thought it was the coolest thing. Awesome. Probably why I love Luke Dempung Kwan so much now. Sure, 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 sure. All right. So now I need to answer the non-martial arts. Yeah. Give me, give me two. Give me two or three if you want, because I know it's, okay. it's it's easier that way. Give me yes. two or three non-martial arts movies where you just sit there and you know what? You can watch them all over. Uh, wow, that's really difficult because, like, be, being on the spot, I don't know if I can, like, the pressure, right? I'm going to say something be like, oh, damn, of course, I don't even like that movie. Of course, it's this other movie, right? Um, in terms of older films, I really like the film Clockwork Orange, uh, which is a very bizarre and weird film. But I also I read the I read the book, and the book is very interesting. So I, I, because I, I had read the book, and so I, I like the film Clockwork Orange. I think it's really, uh, really interesting. Um, I don't know, man. For me, it would kind of be the next one would be a toss up between uh, Young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles. Ah, I see. Yeah, I like old school stuff, man. I like. No, you're reading my mind because Blazing Saddles is one of my. I was gonna name. I just I just watched Blazing Saddles with with uh, my my dad last night and my wife saw for the first time. Yeah, so yeah, it's really fantastic film. Cannot be made today. That film could never be made today. The sheriff is not (laughs) him. All right, so now now your turn to answer. non-martial arts film. I was going to get two. I was going to say Blazing Saddles, well, let's cut that one out. Um, absolutely, by far, the, my favorite film of all time is Angels with Dirty Faces with Jimmy Cagney, Pat O'Brien, and the Dead End Kids. And no, Alex, I know you don't know, never heard of it. It's, it's just the, the best movie in the world. 
And if you ever come here, and I'm gonna make you, I'm gonna duct tape you to a chair and make you watch it with me, like Clockwork Orange. You can right. see my eyes <laughs> But uh, <laughs> Angels with Dirty Faces is by far my favorite movie of all time. I've probably watched it without exaggeration 50 or 60 times. Wow! Wow! Um, and I'll tell you, the other one is The Great Escape. It's a World War II flick with Steve McQueen. And um, I just absolutely love that movie. It's just phenomenal. But wow. uh, I, I may, now I'm talking about it, I may watch Angels with Dirty Faces again tomorrow. That's a, that's, awesome. a good, that's a good thing to do. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And, well, we don't need to really time this or whatever, but uh, what, <laughs> what is your favorite bad movie? Like a movie that's just so bad it's, like, good, like kind of, a, I, I guess, like a guilty pleasure. There's a Johnny Depp movie. I'm drawing a blank on the name. Crybaby. Crybaby uh-huh. with Johnny Depp is the worst movie in the world. And it is funny as shit because of how fucking bad it is. And there's some, <laughs> there's some really cool songs in it. And it's like based on like this 1950s, 19, early 1960s. And Johnny Depp plays this character and... There's just there's a girl that's so ugly. Her name in the movie is Hatchet Face. It's like <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I would say that's like my my guilty pleasure movie. You know, is uh, Cry Baby with Johnny Depp. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Yeah, well, for me, I don't know. It might might be the skateboarding flick thrashing. <laughs> <laughs> He's a pug poser from the hills. Oh um, my that god, that one is pretty bad. Also, Death Race two thousand is, is. Oh my god, <laughs> Death Race two thousand. Yeah, Death Race two thousand is kind of a tough one to sit through, but it's still pretty funny. That that was another one of those double feature movies that I saw. Oh god, Death Race two thousand, and there was another. I just remember them running over someone's head, and it was clearly like a watermelon. Oh God, yeah, it was like so fake. But that was one. Plus, it had David Carradine in there. It had David Carradine, right? Have I I ever told my David Carradine story? You have not, and and I think you. I think you should. Okay, so we'll we'll have to save that one for a future podcast. I did meet David Carradine back in I guess two thousand five or whatever, and I have a very interesting and funny and strange. Uh, I guess I had a strange encounter with Mr. Carradine, so I'll, I'll tell that story in some 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 future time. It was pretty funny. Well, I'm sure he's had. A, I'm sure Mr. Carradine had a few strange encounters, like when he was in Thailand. It was like one of those kind of encounters, or <laughs> no, no. Uh, I did shake his hand though, and after finding out how he died, no. You know what's funny? Actually, I I forget who I was talking to, but I have a friend who travels to. Uh, to Thailand. No, 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 no. Okay, I, I, I know somebody in the film industry who told me that everyone in Thailand knows, knows, of course, air quotes, that David Carradine did not die of that accident. Everybody believes that he was actually murdered. Um, and, of course, I, I don't want to start any kind of gossip rumors here or whatever. Like, it's nothing really that's in the Internet or whatever. But apparently there's a lot of people in Thailand who believe that um, the case is not really as as it seems. So, uh, But, you know, all of that speculation. I don't want to kind of start any rumors or anything. But uh, I, I will definitely tell my funny David Carradine story at some, some point, maybe, maybe episode one of season two of Dudes of Kung Fu. <laughs> Well, folks, this was a very lighthearted episode. We wanted to have some fun and maybe give you guys a, a little glimpse into who we are as people instead of us just constantly talking about martial arts and me making fun of Alex and yeah, stuff like that. Change. 
Well, I mean, listen, I'm still going to make fun of Alex. Face it, he's he's just too pretty to be a Sifu. But um, <laughs> I've never heard anybody say that. That's nonsense. Oh, it's come on! It's like it's like it's like you know. Hey, I got an idea. Let's, Sean, why don't you do a podcast and find like the prettiest guy you can find? Uh, it's like you know, and prettiest guy. I'm a short dude. But you know, you know when when people meet me, like they've seen my Howcast videos or they got my book or whatever, and then they meet me in person, they go, oh. You're kind of short. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently I look a lot taller in photos. Or you know, it's funny. I mean, I, although you are shorter than me, I wouldn't look at you and say he's a short. Like if I had to describe you, I wouldn't use the word short. Yeah, but uh, for some reason, people who've seen me through like internet medium or books or magazines or they saw the uh, Wing Chun Illustrated or whatever, they they all, they all think I'm taller. The funny thing is, you know, I'm uh, I once a, one of Bruce's medical records that he was like five seven and a half, and I'm exactly five seven and a half tall. I'm like the exact same height as Bruce Lee, and and but I think that maybe because I'm like a little bit more squat, I mean, you know, I'm like a little wider, right. but like maybe people think I'm just like really short or something like that. But I'm like, hey, I'm the same size as Bruce Lee. <laughs> well, you know, con- conversely, they say Bruce Lee weighed like 167 pounds, and I, I'm yeah. just like seven times the weight of Bruce Lee. It's like exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, yeah. The funny thing is, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, although I'm the same height as Bruce Lee, um, uh, body type couldn't be more different because I mean, you know, there's some people like say he was like 130, 125 pounds or whatever, and like I, I would, I would, I would be 125 pounds dying on 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 chemo or something like that. I right. I don't think I could ever actually get my body weight down to there because I have a, like a, a very very different body types very 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 interesting so so, well, so we, want to, we want to thank all you guys for for supporting us I mean when we, we look at the uh, breakdowns of the downloads and you know everybody in not just America we, you know when we first started um, almost 90 something percent of all of our downloads took place in the United States and now that's only like 65 percent of all of our downloads in the United States Whereas, you know, Germany, uh, United Kingdom. Yes, uh, the Germans love us. <laughs> Malaysia, for some reason. Gee, I don't know why. Um, you know, Canada. I, you know, Canada, by the way, Canada, you got to step up your game a little bit. You got to step up your game. You've dropped down below Malaysia. Malaysia. There's seven people in Malaysia. No, there's a lot of people in Malaysia, actually. <laughs> I only get it. There might be seven Wing Chun people in Malaysia, but there's a lot of people in Malaysia. But, um, yeah, no, so, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's become a worldwide thing. And, and um, I mentioned that uh, David Peterson's episode was our greatest success. We also, I didn't mention, I should have. We also broke 4,000 downloads. Wow. Which is pretty damn cool. I mean, you know, for two guys from New York, just basically talking shit on, on the Internet for an hour a week, is, uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool. And I'm, I'm really happy that, uh, that we're doing this. So I'm really Absolutely. looking forward to when we come back. First week in September, I promise you we're going to be there. And we have some really good ideas for next season. It's not going to be just, uh, oh, just, you know, nonsense. We're going to throw it together. We're, we're really planning out something nice, and um, it's, it's going to be good. I will do all the future podcasts in the yellow uh, Game of Death tracksuit. That's also one of the new things we're changing up. And it's going to be visual, and I'm going to do it without a shirt on. <laughs> Perfect. Because <laughs> that'll bring the women, man. <laughs> Well, have a good night, everybody. I hope you uh, enjoy the podcast, and um, we'll see you again first week in September. Take care. Bye-bye.